friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 14. And this week, we are going to be talking about books, specifically the books that I have read from January through March, so kind of a winter book roundup. So sit back, relax, get out your to-be-read list, because there are some you're going to want to add, and then some I think you might want to cross off. Let's get started. So episode two was all about the best books of 2022, and since then, I have gotten some messages from people asking for more book-related episodes. So what I'm going to do is create a series kind of like the movies that shaped me, but I'm not going to do those as frequently, just because I do read a whole bunch of books, and if I did it as frequently as the movies that shaped me, we'd never get done. (laughs) So I think what I'm going to do is just bundle the book reviews into seasons. So this episode will be the winter books, January through March, and then we'll do spring, summer, fall, and so on and so on. So I read 16 books between January and March. Not all of them were great, but there were a few really good standouts. So we're going to go through them. Um, We're going to go in order from January through March. And I will not give spoilers because I do believe that books need to be experienced without knowing what happens. I think a general plot line is great, but if there's, you know, a big reveal, I think you need to figure that out for yourself. So I will do my best to not give away too much of the plot, but maybe just enough to get you interested in it. And then, of course, the books that I didn't really like, we'll kind of talk about those two, and I'll tell you what I didn't like about them, but again, with no spoilers. So if you decide that it is a book that you want to read, you can do that without any interference from me. Okay, so let's talk about the books. So the first book I read in January was The Anomaly by Hervé Letelier. This book had so much potential. The plot was really interesting. It's about a plane in March of 2021 that takes off from France, lands in New York City. And during the flight, there is an episode of extreme turbulence and everybody gets really nervous, but they come out of the turbulence and everything is fine. They land the plane, everybody goes on with their lives. And then three months later that exact same plane lands again in New York with the exact same passengers. So now everybody that was on the first plane has an exact copy of themselves that arrived in June. So they start referring to them as the the March versions and the June versions. So it raises a lot of interesting questions. You know, what would you do if there is a carbon copy of you out there that is literally you down to your DNA? They're just three months behind. They've experienced everything you have, just not the last three months. And what would you do if you were related to somebody who had a carbon copy? Like if you were married to somebody, now you've got two wives and maybe two sets of children. So really interesting premise, but the execution was just not good, mainly because it was so boring. It took forever to get to the interesting parts. And I think part of it is because this book was written in French, and I think it just lost some of the... I don't know, pep or appeal in the translation. I just felt like it slogged through it. The last fourth of the book got really good. And so I would give it three stars based only on the last fourth. Because <laughs> it did get a little bit interesting towards the end when you start to kind of figure out um, what might be happening. So I would pass on this one. But if you do like a slow burn read and you, you know, you're interested in kind of the science fiction ep- aspects of this book, you might want to give it a try. Book two was A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway. I read The Old Man and the Sea in high school, and it was one of the most unbelievably depressing books I've ever read. (laughs) And then, you know, there was that movie In Love and War with Sandra Bullock and Chris O'Donnell, and it was based on Ernest Hemingway. 
And that has one of the saddest movie endings of all time. And so I have avoided a lot of Ernest Hemingway books just because they're so sad and depressing. And I'm just, you know, I'd rather not. But I've heard so many writers say that this is one of their favorite books. So I decided to give it a try. And it is a book about the craft of writing and kind of, it's kind of half the craft of writing and half memoir, I would say. But it's solely based on Ernest Hemingway's time in Paris in the 1920s. So it's during the jazz age. So that's really interesting. I would say, honestly, his interactions with Gertrude Stein and F. Scott Fitzgerald make this book worth all of it. Because if you were interested in, you know, The Great Gatsby or that kind of time period of writing, this is a really cool glimpse into their world. And I found out a lot of things I didn't know. I also think that Ernest Hemingway's descriptions of people and the way that he goes about creating characters is really fascinating. So I would definitely read this if you are interested in that time period or if you just want to be a better writer or a better reader. So yeah, I recommend that one. Okay, so the next book <laughs> is not an example of uh, stunning literature. So let's just preface it by saying that. The book is called Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. And it's so dumb, but it's so much fun. <laughs> so it's a very campy horror novel about a girl who moves to this small town in Ohio with her dad. And she kind of notices that everybody's a little off. And there's a syrup factory. That's right, a syrup factory. <laughs> that provides, you know, jobs for all the townspeople. And all the adults just hate children. <laughs> they hate teenagers. And she doesn't even do anything, and they hate her. They just, you know, they're always fighting. And and then she goes to a party, and all of a sudden at this party, clowns emerge from the cornfield and begin systematically murdering all the teenagers in the town. I'm not making that up. That is the plot. It's so silly. <laughs> it's so entertaining. And it reminds me a lot of Scream um, from like 1996. Like, you know, there's those Scream movies are still going on, but especially the first one. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Adam Caesar, the author, is in on the joke. The deaths are over-the-top stupid and gory, but it's just really entertaining. So if that is something that you enjoy, I think you will really like this book. If you do not like horror novels and you don't like... uh comedy especially, kind of comedy horror, um, then this is not for you. But I enjoyed it just for the pure entertainment value. Book number four is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency by Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams also wrote A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I have not read. And this is more of a novella. It's pretty short. And it's sort of a time travel science fiction story about a guy who dies suddenly and finds that he is a ghost and he is trying to help his sister and her boyfriend solve his murder. So that is kind of the the overall gist, but it also involves uh, time-traveling robots <laughs> and aliens and going back to the beginning and the dawn of time. And so it's very all-encompassing. I think it would have worked better as a much longer novel. I enjoyed it, but it was so much information, and I felt like you were kind of dropped into the middle of the story, so I felt like I was playing catch-up, and I didn't quite understand what was happening at the beginning, and I know that they've made this, I think this is actually a TV show, and I'm not sure on what channel it is, but I've heard a lot of people love it. I don't know if it's maybe an ongoing series. I need to look into it a little bit more, but I enjoyed it, but you know, I, I didn't think it was the greatest thing I've ever read. 
The next book is Dark Matter by Michelle Paver. This is a ghost story, and I will say it's a true ghost story. It is not a horror novel. It's not bloody and gross. It's just spooky. But it is about a guy named Jack in the 1930s who accepts a position as a wireless operator for an expedition to the Arctic with two other guys. And so when they get to their destination called Gruhuken, you begin to realize that it's a very dark and sinister place. And Jack very quickly begins to see things and he is not imagining them. And it is very scary. It's a very short read, um, very effective, very spooky. I will say, just as a warning, there are a couple examples of animal cruelty, which I had a hard time getting through. Surprisingly, there are a lot of dogs in the story. And I initially thought the dogs were going to be the ones that were not going to make it. But I will tell you, the dogs make it. But it's just, you know, a lot of like natural things happening to wildlife, but also just some cruelty. So if that is something that bothers you, you probably won't like this book. Um, I just kind of had to grit my teeth through it because I was pretty invested in the story at that point. But as far as just being a scary story, it's really good. Book number six is The Unburied by Charles Palliser. And when I first got this book, I thought it was more of a supernatural story because it looked very dark and sinister on the cover, but it really isn't. It's really a mystery. And so I would say if you love Charles Dickens, Wilkie Collins, long drawn out Victorian scholarly mysteries that talk a lot about books and history, you will love this book. I really enjoyed it. It took me a long time to get through just because it's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say, it's not modern writing. It reads like you're reading something from the early, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. But it really is a good story. My only problem with it is that the very end of the story, I don't think the mystery is wrapped up as neatly as the author intends it to be. I think he thinks that it's very obvious what happened, but it wasn't to me. <laughs> I had to like really think about who did what and what he actually proved. But it was super enjoyable. I, I liked, you know, the setting. You know, it's very like lamppost, foggy London kind of uh atmosphere. So if that is your thing, you will love this book. And the last book I read in January was Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. This is a book that I normally would not read. I am not so much into modern literature where it's just, you know, it's not a mystery. It's not scary. It's it's just everyday life. But I really enjoyed this book. It starts in the 60s and it's about two families that meet at a birthday party and then Two of them have an affair and they end up marrying each other. And so they're involved with each other forever. And it's about mainly their children and how the divorce affects both of them. And one of the children begins to date a really famous author who takes the story that she tells them about her family and turns it into a best-selling novel. And it really turns the whole family upside down because then they make it into a movie and a lot of them feel very betrayed because they feel like their childhood is now on the screen for everybody to comment about. And I just felt very invested in these characters. It's not a happy book, but it's also not a really sad book. It's just very true to human existence and life and the way that, you know, things play out and the choices that we have to make and the things that we have to forgive and what makes a family a family. So I did really enjoy that. So Commonwealth by Ann Patchett, just a really good commentary on American life. So I read three books in February. The first one was Something in the Water by Katherine Stedman. 
So Catherine Steadman is an accomplished actress. She's been in a ton of stuff, most notably Downton Abbey, the movie About Time. But her books are so good. And this one is a great mystery. I really love a mystery where I'm not sure where it's going. I don't know who did what. And honestly, you don't really even have a clue. And I, this is kind of one of those books because it just keeps going in different directions. And there are so many people that could be involved and you're just not sure what's about to happen in the best way. So this book is about a young couple. They go on their honeymoon to an exotic location. They go scuba diving. And on their way back from their scuba diving trip in the boat, they come across a duffel bag floating in the ocean, which they take back to their hotel room. And then when they open it, what's inside changes their lives forever. And they have to decide if they're going to turn it into the police or they're going to keep it. And so every decision kind of snowballs into another decision. And before you know it, they're in a pretty intense game of cat and mouse. I enjoyed this so much. So if you really like a fast-paced mystery, there really wasn't any downtime. I felt like it moved really quickly and kept me engaged the whole time. I think you'll really like this book. I will say there are a few adult scenarios, <laughs> adult moments, bedroom moments that kind of come out of nowhere. And so if that's something that you're kind of sensitive to, I wouldn't, you probably wouldn't like this book. But other than that, I thought it was a really, really good mystery. The next book was The Cartographers by Peng Shepard. I read a book by Peng Shepard a few months ago called The Book of M, which I really did like. This one I was a little disappointed by. The book centers around this girl who had had a falling out with her father a few years ago. And she starts missing a bunch of calls from him and then finds out that he was murdered right after he made those calls. He worked at the New York Library in the map division where she used to work with him, and then she had gotten fired, and they hadn't spoken in years. And so she gets pulled into this mystery about who killed her father, and she begins to realize that there's this whole group of cartographers, map makers, that are very secretive, and they keep telling her she's in danger, and that one of them is a serial killer. Here's the thing. They're map makers, guys. <laughs> They're acting like it's like this cabal of assassins, and they're just nerdy map makers. Not that map makers are nerdy, but these guys are. And it was just not believable. And everybody is acting panicked and, you know, scared and terrified, like the worst thing in the world has happened. And it's not that you want to be like, it's not that big a deal. I, you just don't understand why everybody is so hysterical about what's going on in the book. And I do think there's some magical realism in the book that I think is really an interesting concept. So I think it's one of those situations where the idea was great. The execution is not as good. So if you want a light mystery with some sort of magic moments in it, then this is a book for you. But I just felt like the writing is not that great. The dialogue isn't wonderful. I'd pass this on this one if I were you. And then the last book I read in February was The Couple at Number Nine by Claire Douglas. I really did like this one. This is another mystery, and it is about a young girl who is renovating a house with her boyfriend, and when they pull up the garden, they find two bodies. And the house used to belong to her grandmother, so her grandmother is in a nursing home for Alzheimer's patients, and so they're trying to find out who this couple, it's a man and a woman, that they found in the garden could be, and they think that the grandmother probably knows, but she's having a hard time remembering. This was just a really, really solid mystery. 
I felt like everything was pretty well executed, and then it does have a good twist at the end, which I will say I had kind of figured out what the twist was going to be about midway, but I still appreciated the reveal. It was just really well done. So just a good, solid British mystery. first book I read in March is Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone by Benjamin Stevenson. I loved this book. So it's set in Australia and the main character writes how-to books for reading murder mysteries. So he has all these rules about how murder mysteries should be written. And so throughout the book, he will interject his rules. He'll just kind of break in and be like, I know that you think so-and-so is the murderer, but let me assure you it is not because rule number blah, blah, blah states. So just really enjoyable. But it is about a guy who is meeting up with his family who's kind of been estranged since one of the brothers went to prison for murder, and he is the one who helped put his brother away. And then people start dying And you realize that everybody in his family, literally, like the title says, has killed someone. And it kind of goes through why that is. Some of them are inadvertent. Some of them are not directly. But everyone has been responsible for someone's death. And there is, you know, a main murder mystery at the heart of it. And I was surprised by the twist. I thought I had it figured out, and I did not. So this is a lighthearted mystery and really tongue-in-cheek, but really, really clever and well done. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it. So next we have The Widow by Kara Ruda. So this is a political, I wouldn't say it's a political thriller because it's not really like a murder mystery per se, but it is intense, maybe more of a character study. But it is about a politician who on the eve of his daughter's wedding, you find out that he is about to be exposed for a lot of indiscretions, personally and politically. And, you know, he's done some things that were against the law And his wife is furious, and he dies suddenly, and the wife is voted into his position, which I guess is used to be a common thing, but she assumes his role as the politician. And you know right away that she is a sociopath, and it is fascinating. And I think it was really interesting to me because it made me wonder how many politicians who are smiling and saying they care about us as, you know, American citizens and that they're working for our betterment, how many of them underneath couldn't care less about you? (laughs) Because this is kind of what she is like. And it's kind of the underbelly of the DC machine. And you're seeing all of the things and how a lot of it is just these, you know, huge bids for power. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a fantastic ending. Uh, Just a really interesting book. I liked it a lot. This next book, I really was surprised by how much I loved it and how it really got to me on an emotional level. It is called The Great Unexpected by Dan Mooney. It is about an elderly man in a nursing home who has previously lost his wife. He does not have a good relationship with his daughter and his grandchildren, and he feels like life is just unbearable because he does the same thing every day. He doesn't have any dignity. He feels like everybody tells him what to do. He's not treated like a human. And then he gets a new roommate, and this roommate is a retired actor who used to be a soap opera actor. And at first, they do not like each other. But as the story develops, they become really fast friends. And in fact, he realizes that this person is becoming his best friend. And it is just the most heartwarming story about how 
everything can change even in the last stages of our life. Like life is not over. And I've said this before, but you know, anything can happen at any, at any time in our lives. And this just kind of goes to show that it's a story about how there are second chances and you can start living your life at any time and we can always change. So I loved this book. Um, and I think that if you are in the mood for a tearjerker in the best way, then this is the book for you. This next book was not a winner. I did not enjoy it. And I should have known better because I have read something by this author before and I didn't love it either. The book is The Last Invitation by Darby Kane. So this book is about a woman who goes to her ex-husband's house in the middle of a divorce and finds him murdered. And then you find out that there is a group of women, most of them in political circles or uh, law enforcement, that kind of thing, they're taking the law into their own hands. So it's people that they felt were not prosecuted accordingly and did not get the sentences that they deserved. They decide to mete out justice themselves. And while in theory, this probably is an intriguing story, it just is so not good. <laughs> it just wasn't good. All of the dialogue was cheesy. I felt like all the characters were pretty flat and one dimensional. And it was really like I was reading a Lifetime movie version of a book or like a days of our lives murder. Like you remember when like General Hospital and Days of Our Lives had these like ongoing murder mysteries? Like they'd have this like who killed Bobby Joe? You know, it was like that. Or was it is it Dynasty or Dallas? I can't remember who shot JR. I think it's Dallas. It it felt like I was reading that in book form. Um so eh, I would pass on this one. Not very good. Book number 15 is House of Windows by John Langan. I really loved this book. It's kind of an homage to books like Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, Peter Straub's Ghost Story. It even has a little bit of a Charles Dickens bent to it. So the book is about a woman who marries a professor of Dickens. That's a specialty. And he had been married before. And when his estranged son finds out that he is remarried, he's really upset. And he and his father have a really huge fight. And it actually becomes a physical fight. And at the end of the fight, the father disowns the son, but in a really terrible way. And he basically curses him. The son then dies in Afghanistan. And that's where it all starts to go wrong. They move into this house. It's an old house. And it kind of has a murky history. And then the wife begins to see the son. He keeps showing up. The husband can't see him. But you know that it has to do with this curse. It is scary. And it is scary in just the uneasy sense that something is watching you. The house seems to change shape sometimes. And you know that the son wants something. But you don't know exactly what it is until the very end. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really different from any book that I've read. And I just think it's a really good, scary, suspenseful thriller. And the last book, book number 16, is The Stone Man by Luke Smithard. And I think this book is my favorite of every one of them. So it is about a stone man, like a huge stone figure shaped like a man that just appears one day in London. And at first it just stands there and everybody just is, you know, kind of fascinated by it. They don't know where it came from. And the main character is a reporter and he just happens to be there when the stone man shows up. And then the stone man begins to walk. And quickly, everybody in London 
and the UK realizes that they cannot stop it. It goes through buildings, it goes through water, it climbs over things, they can't pick it up, they can't destroy it, and it is definitely heading somewhere. And the reporter that is following the Stone Man has an uncanny connection to it. Guys, this book was so good. It just kept going places that I didn't expect. It's, it's, it's hard to even categorize what kind of book it is. It's a thriller. It's a science fiction story. Some of it's pretty scary. Um, but it's, it's unlike anything I've ever read. And I'm really excited that I found out that it is a series. It's also a self-published book, which I just love. Because you don't always need to have a huge publisher to have a really good book. This guy published his own story. And it's been a great success. I mean, I came across it. It was recommended on my list of books that they thought I would like on Audible. And I'm glad I gave it a try. So this one, I think if you love science fiction, if you like a good mystery and just a really fast-paced story, I can see this being a really good TV show even, um, being pretty successful, then I think you would really love this book. So it's The Stone Man by Luke Smithard. You should give it a try. So in keeping with our book theme, I want to talk about a show that is on HBO Max that I just really loved. But before I tell you about it, I want to say that I love Harry Potter. I love the movies. I love the books. And I think that J.K. Rowling is honestly one of the best writers I have ever read. And she has a series that not many people know about because she wrote under a pen name. And the pen name is Robert Galbraith. But it's really J.K. Rowling. And they're the Cormoran Strike series of books. The first book is called The Cuckoo's Calling, but they all involve, they're all centered around this private detective named Cormoran Strike and his assistant, Robin Ellicott. And so HBO Max just released all three seasons of the BBC show CB Strike. Now you might be able to also find it on Acorn or BritBox, but all three seasons are on HBO Max. It is fantastic. And it just shows what an amazingly talented writer J.K. Rowling is because these mysteries are flawless. These books are wonderful. The TV show is wonderful. The casting is fantastic. If you've read the books, you feel like they did such a wonderful job in matching the actors to the characters. It's just really, really well done. I will say the language is a bit colorful. So if you're going into it expecting Harry Potter... <laughs> it won't be that because it is adult and it is murder mystery. So just know that. But oh my goodness, just fantastic plots. You can't figure out who the murderer is. I really, really liked them. So CB Strike on HBO Max. You should check it out. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week. And thank you also for following and subscribing and telling your friends about the show and also for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It makes such a huge difference. If you'd like to find me on Instagram, it is super easy. I am at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.